Welcome to episode 61 of the Juice Box Podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Insulate, makers of the Omnipod. The Omnipod, of course, is the only insulin pump on the face of the planet that doesn't use tubing to deliver your insulin. That's like Jetsons kind of stuff. Uh, for you young people, the Jetsons was a cartoon that was out a really long time ago that was about the future. Okay, now on to episode 61 of the Juice Box Podcast with Sam, last name I can't pronounce. Hold on, you're going to love it. Guys, Sam is like Robin Hood. She is a part of the diabetes community, and she lends her expertise, much like many people do, to people who need it. Sam's happens to be, she knows how to enter an appeal with an insurance company when they deny you your insulin pump or your continuous glucose monitor. Now, come on, that is like a superpower in the diabetes community for sure. You do not want to miss this. This is really cool. And uh, thank you very much to Faye, who you may remember from a couple episodes ago, Faye actually hooked me up with Sam. So um, listen to Faye's episode. Faye had a long battle with Humana over an insulin pump and a glucose monitor that she won in large part due to, you know, Sam's help. I'm bringing this full circle for you people. This is like part two. It's getting fancy over here on the Juice Box Podcast. Ooh, real fast. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and that includes legal. By the way, at the end of the episode, I spend a few minutes bagging on United Healthcare and Medtronic Diabetes. You don't want to miss it. I do have to apologize. I have a slightly scratchy voice today, just getting over a cold, but hopefully that won't make it sound horrible. <laughs> no one knows what you sound like, so this is... I know. I sound like, you know, an 80-year-old smoker right now. So. You, you're, I, I, tell a lot of, I end up telling a lot of people this. You're the only one with a, pre a preconceived notion of what you sound like. So That's true. That, it, it doesn't matter to anybody else. Um, okay, so just fire away. Like, introduce yourself any way you want to, and then we'll jump in. Well, I am Samantha Arsenault, and I have um, been doing diabetes advocacy for around the last two years, specializing with insurance denials and getting approvals um, going off of those. So um, kind of we'll work with patients and see what's going on, and depending on what their situation is, I can either guide them in the right direction or sit down and help them tackle an actual appeal letter. And right now I'm standing at about 100 appeal letters that I've completed um, in addition to the other guidance that I give and uh, have only lost about seven of those. So they tend to be pretty, pretty accurate, pretty good. Well, Sam, is this something you do professionally or are you just a do-gooder or? I am a volunteer. So um, I basically have a little network of people who you know, hear people's cries for help online. Um, I do have a blog that, you know, I have a couple posts regarding insurance. And um, people find me and tell me their stories. And, you know, I basically do this because I believe in not only, you know, helping people, but also the products um, and, and supplies that, you know, we're fighting for. My daughter was diagnosed at 22 months old and um, she got a Dexcom within weeks but we ended up having a battle with her insurance company over a pump because they did have a six-month waiting period. And our doctor was like, okay, well, you can certainly try to apply for it, but you're not going to get it. And I said, just watch me. And sure enough, within 10 days, we had the pump sitting in our hands. And that was only about six or seven weeks after she was diagnosed. So well um, exceeded any time frames of getting that pump into our hands. And Sam, you have a different way of doing I have similar results in my personal life, but I I go a completely different route where I just curse kind of loudly <laughs> on the phone. And normally that's, and I also just talk, uh, I'm from the Northeast. So I usually just get someone on the phone, talk slightly faster than they can think, <laughs> and then end up getting them to do what I want them to do. Um, which is sort of a superpower, I think. But, but, uh, but you do it with, really well thought out, really well researched words. Um, and that's pretty impressive to me because uh, you sent me a document that you used recently. So anyway, let me, uh, let me kind of go backwards for a second. So we just had um, Faye on the podcast mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, and I'm actually holding off putting up a new podcast this week because I'm going to put this one up um, t today if I can. Um, 
because it because it attaches so closely to Faye's. So you are you one of the people who helped Faye? I am. Um, once her story started picking up steam, I you know that little network I was talking about saw her story and knew that this is the type of thing that I did. So I had a lot of people reaching out to me, asking me to um, find her and contact her. So I sent her, um, you know, a message and I said, listen, you know, this is what I do, um, you know, on a pretty routine basis. If you'd like my assistance, I'd be happy to help. And a couple of days went by, um, you know, she was getting a lot of messages and finally, you know, she saw it and went ahead and said, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's, um, you know, give it everything that we have. And, um, so I went ahead and, and did the appeal letter because, she had the the opportunity to go to external review, and I know that a lot of the community was um, reaching out to Humana, you know, demanding that they give the the child, um, you know, the products. And basically, what I did is I just I gave them the medical the medical reasoning so that it's not just you know putting all your your um, eggs in one basket on you know let's let's um, you know social media slam Humana, let's go ahead and give them medical reasons why this should also work. And I know she had written letters, but, um, you know, I do have a lot of research that I include in my letters. So I, I, I gave them, you know, everything on a silver platter. So at least they had the excuse to say, okay, well now, now we see the evidence and I, you know, I guess we can approve it. So you've been through this so much, right? So my, my question to you is, is kind of simple. So are there, in my mind, insurance companies set up rules like this so that they can avoid paying for things? Absolutely. And, right, right, and and so, and so, they've got them. They've got themselves all set up in a way that, unless you ask the right questions and say the right things, it doesn't matter how honest or true or accurate what you're saying is if it doesn't specifically address their made-up rules that are designed just to keep you out and keep them holding on to your money. Correct. Right, right. And so it doesn't matter if you, if you send them a heartfelt note about your kid's blood sugar being really low or it, none of that really matters to them because there's somebody reviewing it when it comes in and, and they, you ask, they say, no, you say, but this is why. And they look at it and they go, Oh, what you just said still doesn't go around our rules. So no. And, and then what did they count on mostly is just people to get tired of the process and give up. Pretty much. Um, you know, the fact that someone gets denied, a lot of people don't know really what an appeal is, how it works. It's just they see a denial and they think, oh, this isn't going to work. Um, I guess I got to go to plan B. And that might be, you know, getting a different um, pump that they're requiring you to get. Uh, you know, this whole Medtronic thing is um, rapidly coming up. Um so, you know, they just, they give up on the device and, um, you know, insurance companies are banking on that. Most people aren't even going to bother doing an appeal and the people who do an appeal aren't going to know how to tackle them in an appropriate manner that, um, is going to get them approved. When you talk about heartfelt, um, you know, you're, you're really, you, you have to think in terms of, is the reviewer having a good day or a bad day? Does the, the reviewer care? Um, you know, there, there's a personal connection part of it, but when you're sitting there reading a stack of, you know, a hundred appeal letters, there's only so much empathy that a reviewer is going to have at the end of the day for any particular case. So, um, you, that's where, you know, medical research and, and recommendations really help to back up your claims. It's okay to say my kid had a low blood sugar, but, um, you know, here's why this is important. This is what the consequences of the low blood sugar can have is that, you know, you can have a seizure. There can be brain damage that occurs, um, you know, hyperglycemic, you know, that's A1C issues that can extend into complications, you know, that everybody knows about diabetes causing, you know, the loss of limbs and eyesight and all that stuff, um, you know, that, that doesn't happen from one bad AC, A1C, that happens from years of this, but if you're not controlling your blood sugar in the appropriate method using the tools that you should have access to, that's the end result is that you are going to potentially have these complications. So that sort of stuff needs to be pointed out. Um, 
you know, just as a medical basis. And then you also have policy guidelines. And um, most policy guidelines, when I do these appeals, I can find them online. It, it takes a little bit of digging, um, but it's amazing what Google, you know, is able to uncover if you just plug in the right keywords. And um, I'll look at these policy guidelines and I'm just looking at it going, it doesn't make sense. You're using outdated data. I had um, one lady who just gave me um, Aetna is um, one I usually don't have to fight a whole lot, but in this case it was Aetna and I looked at her policy guidelines and it was saying um, Dexcom CGM is only approved for 18 and up. It takes readings every six to 10 minutes and it is only maximum life of three days. I'm going, okay, we're, we're in 2016 and I know these are inaccurate, so let's take a look at what research studies they're looking at. And none of them were newer than 2012. They were using 2009 ADA recommendations that are completely ancient. And right there is a basis for attacking the policy guidelines themselves to say, okay, well, you want evidence of severe lows, but guess what? There's newer research that shows A1C can be lowered, and that's the benefit of this tool. And it does apply to pediatrics, and here's this study that proves it. Um, so the, the more solid your argument it is, um, the harder it's going to be for them to come back and say, no, you're still denied. Um, you kind of got to fight like an attorney in these, you know, just kind of go, go to town with your arguments and, you know, rest your case at the end of the letter. Yep, because what I'm, what I'm, it's occurring to me while you're talking is that they're using, so say they're using outdated data, and then you come in with once with a person and say, oh, look, this is outdated data, and they look and they go, oh, you're right, sorry, here's your glucose monitor, for instance. The next person tomorrow that asks for it, they still use the outdated data to say no to them. Because it's not like they go, oh, we're wrong. We should fix this. They're Absolutely. Right, right, there right. is there there's actually um, United Healthcare. I'm just going to call them out on this. I do a lot of appeals, and I would say a vast majority of them are what I consider to be illegal in nature, um, because their guidelines. When when you're looking at outdated research, um, a lot of them will say it's not. Um, considered useful or effective in kids under eight years old. However, when you're using outdated data and now you're putting an age limit on something and there is newer data that shows that it is um, effective for a variety of reasons in the lower age ranges, to me that, that goes against age discrimination laws. Um, you're, you're withholding a medical product due to age and age only. And, and that's an issue. Because um, and what they'll say is that, well, you know, when we did this, this is this was accurate data. We don't have time to go back and change these things every day. And, you know, and, and oh, man, it's you know what I'm picturing? Have you ever seen uh, The Incredibles, the animated Pixar film? Uh, a long time ago. <laughs> right, right. When Mr. Incredibles at his soul-sucking job at the insurance company and the old lady wants to get reimbursed for something that happened to his house. And, and Mr. Incredible realizes that if he gives the money to the woman, he's going to be fired. <laughs> uh, but it's the right thing. And then he uh, beats up his boss. So I really feel like you're the one beating up everybody, but with your letters instead of your hands. And 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 by the way, what makes you? Let's go to you for a, a split second here, Sam. Why are you such a detail-oriented person? I am looking at this letter that you sent to Humana. I if I received this letter, I'd be scared, and I would send back anything that you asked for. So, um, is it is it your what is it? Like you really are like a detail-oriented. Are you like a very Type A person? I am a very type A person. I'm very analytical as well. Um, and I, I do have experience in appeals. I worked for a medical doctor and dealed with appeals every day. So I, I kind of had a taste of what it took to win, um, you know, insurance company approvals and um, also had a personal connection to um, these products and services. I lost my cousin when he was 17 to um, hypoglycemia episode. He was type 1 and, um, you know, Dexcom and um, and lights and everything weren't around back then. So, you know, when I see an insurance company and they're denying a product that I feel is personally life-saving, um, besides life-changing, um, that, that strikes a chord in me to be very aggressive in these letters and to... Um, put my all into it. So when I started, you know, the letter definitely wasn't 
um, as long as what it is now. Um, they kind of got progressively longer as I uncovered more research. Um, and then I also tailor them to each situation. If there's other medical needs that um, someone has that affect their diabetes, you know, of course, let's put that in there. Um, if a particular person is in sports or they have um, a certain drug that affects them, let's throw that in there. Um, if it's a toddler, you know, that they're going to have different requirements when it comes to bolusing and, and, and basal and feeding and the need for, you know, if you've got a grazing toddler, let's, let's have the insurance go ahead and tell me that I have to give a toddler a shot every two hours because they wanted this snack. I, that just doesn't work, you know. You you can't tell a toddler that, and you can't, you know, mandate that a, a a toddler gets, you know, in excess of what everybody else has to get just because you won't give them the pump. Do you um, do you have any thoughts about why like manufacturers of insulin pumps or glucose monitors or in general in medical devices? Why don't they have someone like you on staff? Like because that, it costs them money. <laughs> but, but not that much though. Like 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 I'm stop, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it and you know it's you know when you go to get a car loan if you're not a well-qualified person you know the guy in the back knows how to call another bank that'll give money to anybody because they're trying to sell the car they they literally don't care if you you know default on your loan 3 months later they want to get you the loan so you can buy the car so they can sell the car that makes sense to me like like you know, in a business way like I wonder why that wouldn't I mean even if you drew a very nice salary and had a small uh I know this isn't something you called about, but but I'm just thinking now, like even if you had a small group of people, I mean, I know what it costs to have an insulin pump for 18 years. You would think if, if the group cleared two people a year, it would pay for itself, right? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like that's... Yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me back up. When I, when I heard your question, the first thought was insurance company having someone like me. No, no, so, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the manufacturer, like the device manufacturer, it makes sense. Like they should, yes. and maybe they do so, and we don't know about that or... What I, I actually, um, I have been able to recently talk to someone at Dexcom. It's um, Mike Bloom, the VP of global marketing. And I had a very specific conversation with him about this. And he said, you know, we've got a we've got a team of people who that's that's what they do. They look at insurances and and try to get them on board with our system. And um, you know, their main focus is basically let's get it approved first try. And that's a very worthy worthy goal because that, that at the end of the day, that's what the anticipated result would be is that you submit something and you're approved um, right off the bat. Um, so. He's definitely open to having me talk to their team to discuss how to kind of clean up the back end of those people who aren't approved the first try. So it's not that they have a disinterest in it, but generally they're, they're local reps and, you know, people who work in Dexcom office. It's not that they're not doing these things. It's just that they necessarily haven't been able to spend the time researching it that I do because that's not their primary focus. Yeah. Um, I would guess too. I know Mike. Mike's a really great guy. And, and I would think that probably another thing is too, while they do need the insurance companies to cover their devices, I would think they also don't want to get into a, maybe it is nice to have a little space between them and the people who are doing this so that, I don't know, like it's hard for me to imagine that business model, you know? It's yeah. Not, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, if you have X amount of resources, what are those best spent on. And, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't necessarily argue, you know, with, with that outlook because, at, you know, it, it's so much harder to appeal something than it is to just get it right the first time. So, you know, out of a thousand people, if, you know, they get 900 something covered, you know, that that's still very commendable. Yeah. Right. Why, why do some people, so like, so I'm assuming at some point, this insurance people are like, "Oh, this is obviously a letter that Sam, <laughs> that Sam wrote." And and but if I can, like, what are some reasons? Like you said, you've maybe done a hundred, and a few of them have failed. What are the reasons the ones couldn't go through? Um, I would say three out of the seven were actually the same exact insurance company. Um, there's a company out of New York. Um, same exact reason for all three of them, and um, it relates to an age issue. And as far as I'm concerned, they don't read it. <laughs> um, two of them decided just to get new insurance. They said, you know, I am not dealing with this. Obviously, this insurance is not looking out for our best interests. 
Um, one of them is very recent, so she's going on to the second level of appeal. And I, I told her to hang tight. There's a chance that they're going to deny it again in the internal review, and she's going to really have the best luck on external appeal. And um, you know, I, I feel like you know when you're when you're dealing with internal appeals, again, you're you know, are you catching these people on a good day or a bad day? Are they bothering to read it? Um, is there some kind of internal quota system we don't know about where right. we only have X amount of approvals to give that day? I don't know. Yeah, so, so you, literally, you there could be a pile of work on someone's desk that's sitting between them and them going home for dinner. And they might just be like, uh -huh. stamp, 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 stamp. These people will reappeal again to get off my desk for today. And, and they'll get their pump next week or next time or so the human there is a big human factor in it there is yeah um there there definitely is and and i know this was pointed out with face case is that um you know there there's no even guarantee that you're going to have someone reviewing this that is understanding what the device is to begin with right um, if you've got an oncologist who, who rarely deals with diabetic devices, that's that's someone who's still giving you an okay or not. But, um, you know, it, it's important to you, but not, not necessarily to them to go and research. What is this that they're looking for? Oh, here's the basis of the guidelines that, you know, quite frankly, are outdated, but... That's what we're going with, so you're denied. And also, um, I think people need to understand, too, when, when you say that the insurance company has an oncologist on staff who, who goes the, over these things, what they're doing is they're hiring doctors so that they can say, well, this person has a medical background. They can read and understand the language and make a decision. But, I mean, you have <laughs> to stop and wonder at some point. I, I know this is going to hurt someone's feelings somewhere, but if you're an oncologist and you're working at an insurance company looking at paperwork... I mean, were you a great oncologist? You know, well, like, 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 wouldn't you still be you know, out there fighting cancer? I, that, I, don't know. I don't know. That that leaves a that that leaves a couple avenues. You know, you know the the saying. You know, what is the the last person in place for graduating medical school? What are they called? They're still called doctor. Right, right, right. You know, even though they were last. Um, You've got to look at. You know, are they in it for the money? Because if they're in it for the money, they don't want to lose that job. And uh, if their job is to deny, you know, benefits to people, then they're going to be pretty incentivized to, um, you know, try to close off as many appeals as they can. And then, you know, the other part might be maybe this is just someone who's, you know, retired from clinical practice and they might be 70 years old, have no idea what technology it is <laughs> because they, they haven't been around the block, so to speak, in the, the recent past. You're sending a letter uh, that says, I would like a glucose monitor and the doctor, I now I picture the doctor sitting there going, send them a glass tube and something to boil it in. Uh -huh. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know a guy lived like, you know, like that. That's so there's a, listen, I would think for most people living with diabetes who are going to hear this, none of this is probably shocking to them, but if you came from the outside, if you were just a family of four who goes along, doesn't have any chronic illness in your life, and you heard this conversation, I would think it would be soul-crushing to, to know that even as an adult, once you understand how the world works a little bit, that there is this institution that not only is, you know, they say we're in business to help you. By the way, pay us so we can help you. Oh, by the way, now that you've paid us, we're not going to help you. And there's almost nothing you can do about it if you don't know how to put together, like, like the 10 page letter here, this, this, there's a lot of paper, here. It, you know? And so, so everybody just take a deep breath for a second and just get over the fact that the world's not a great place. Like your mom said it was going to be when you were six and, and that this might be the game. Like this might be the fight you have to fight and it's not worth fighting with the wrong weapons because that's how it's going to get really, I would assume that that's just how it takes the the soul right out of you. Like, it, it, you know, it, it it is because, um, like I said before, you've got you've got people who see this letter of denial and they go, "Oh man, you know, there's no chance that I I can do this," and um, you know, they they might even go on to appeal it again and again get denied, and they're going, "Oh man, you know, I'm really I'm really not going to get this thing. Why even bother?" Mm -hmm. Um, generally, you're going to have at least three levels of appeal, and the last one is going to be the external, and that really is the best shot that people have. But if they don't, if they don't feel there's hope, 
um, you know, they're not going to pursue it that far. And, and that's just with private insurance. You get into the Medicare levels and you've got five levels of appeal that you can go through. Um, and I know a lot of Medicare, you know, there's a lot of talk for what they cover and what they don't. Um, and I, I feel like potentially one of the reasons that not a lot of people have been able to succeed with uh, fighting CGMs on the Medicare level is because five levels it's generally going to be that last level that things are approved. And if people don't understand, they have to go through all five and there's a, still a potential they could be denied. But guess what? If you're denied, you can start all over again next year. So, so <laughs> let's put it into terms people can understand, right? This is like trying to have sex when you're married. So you have yeah. you ask, right? You, you make a big ask the first time, then you scale your ask back and scale it back again. And then your ask gets a little smaller. And then all of a sudden, by the way, I'm saying ask, A-S-K. Yes. And then, and then, <laughs> and, and then finally at the end, a person looks at you and goes, oh, look how hard he's trying. Okay. And yeah. like, <laughs> so yeah. Sam's been married for a while. She's like, that's, yeah. that's how it works. <laughs> and, and okay. So and, I love my husband, by the way. <laughs> Of course you do. And I said all of that. You didn't say anything. You, you're very uncomfortable right now and you mean none of that, but I'm sure your poor husband. Now, anyway, so, 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 okay. So the idea is that no matter how much we want the world to be the way it isn't, you may have to go through three or four or five levels of asking before they just go, okay, you've persevered long enough. Here's your, here's your gift. It, it, you know, here's, here's the glucose monitor that you paid for that we're not going to yeah. allow you to have. Um, you know, I, I look at it as this, you know, there, there's no guarantees in life and this certainly applies to this situation. Yeah. You know, there's no guarantee that even if you go through three or five appeals that you're going to be successful, you know, there's, there's definitely always going to be those people who just, you know, their insurance company just will not budge. However, you know, it, it first of all, it starts with the concept of what you put into it is what you can kind of expect to get out of it. Mm -hmm. So the more that you put into your letter, the, the stronger it is, the better the chances that you are going to get the result that you want. If you're, you know, only talking about how, you know, it's going to cost you the world to, to pay for this on your own, you know, insurances are going, yeah, well, if you can't afford it, then why should we afford it for you? Um, you know, you, you almost have to take a step back and look at it as, you know, being an advocate for yourself instead of an angry um, kind of individual who's uh, fighting for something that they personally need. You almost have to fight for yourself in a detached way somewhat Yeah. Um, because, you know, you're, you're taking that personal level of attack out of it and putting the scientific and the medical evidence in front of them so that they can make the informed decision that applies to what this means as a medical necessity. Because again, medical necessity, if you're, if you're establishing medical necessity and they're still denying, there, there's a chance that they could leave themselves on the hook for, you know, certain employers have um, ERISA um, parts to their insurance that you can sue your insurance at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, insurances still have to kind of keep that in the back of their minds as, you know, are, are we completely on the up and up? So the more that you make them, you know, kind of question themselves and their their standpoint, the better you're going to be. You know how when you get your hair cut, you're secretly thinking, like, I hope someone notices and kind of mentions to me, hey, you look pretty fly with your new haircut. You know what I'm saying. Well, guess what? Omnipod got their haircut. Sort of. The website's all new. They have a mobile app for Android and iPhone. I mean, how crazy is that? Android too, right? Uh, what else? Logo, designs. I, I just really like it. I, I have to tell you, it, it's fancy. It, uh, it's new. It's fresh. It's now. It's on fleek, which I know is now something kids don't even say anymore. But nevertheless, you go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo, or you follow the links in the show notes, as you do, you know. Once you're there, sign up, get yourself a free demo pod, and wonder out loud, what would life be like without tubing? So after you order your free demo pod... You know what I mean? Look up in the top left corner, see that new logo, give it a little clicky click and bang around the rest of the website and see what's going on. I'll tell you what, let me look around the website a little bit for you here. There is an Explore Omnipod spot with a, a learning center, all kinds of great simple tutorials, clinical information, 
how to use the Omnipod. Wow, just three steps, fill the pod, apply the pod, press start. That probably couldn't be any easier. You know what, you really wanna check out this website. I, I like it a lot. I'm not just saying that because, oh, uh, you know what, let's not lie. I am just saying it because they're paying me, but what the heck, it's an ad, right? It's not like I'm making stuff up. It's not like I'm telling you there's a dragon there or something like that. The stuff I'm seeing is real and I am actually excited about it. I love stuff like this. I really do like this uh, this new logo. I want a t-shirt. It says Potter on it with this with this font. You listening to me, Omnipod? Make some t-shirts. What else have we got here? You can see if your insurance covers Omnipod. Check your insurance. Of course, try a free demo pod. You can look for doctors that help you with Omnipod. Oh, check this out. In the next couple of days, Omnipod's actually going to be on Facebook and Twitter officially. That's something they haven't done in the past. All right, guys, use the links in the show notes, myomnipod.com forward slash demo. Check out the new website, order yourself a free non-functioning demo pod and uh, support the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, why don't we get back to it? Sam and I are going to keep talking about appeals, which I hope you're finding interesting. And um, at the end, the topic of what Medtronic Diabetes and United Healthcare are trying to perpetrate on people living with diabetes comes up. And I rant and rave about it for a while. So that'll be fun. So how do we, because I know you mentioned when we were emailing back and forth, and I struggle with this as a as an advocate, you know, in, in, a, in a different way, you know, but how do you make things that you know accessible and digestible and easy to use for someone coming in from the outside without you being involved every day? Because I, I go through that pressure that, you know, if... You know, if you're having, if you're someone having trouble with your kid's blood sugar right now and, you know, having trouble bolusing for things, I could probably help you, but I can't spend the rest of my life talking to every person who has that issue. And even though I kind of would like to, I can't. And so I can't, it's hard for me to figure out because it's medical information, how to make it accessible and easy to find. And I'm assuming because this is legal information, you're probably suffering with the same issue. It's, it's that, that's exactly it. You know, there, there has to be somewhat of a level of protection um, because you are, you know, I, I, can't, I can't sacrifice, you know, liability for myself in order to help the world, so to speak. Um, because what happens at the end of the day is that every insurance is going to be different. Their guidelines are going to be different. You're going to have um, different medical records of people and what, you know, they submitted to insurance can differ. So if, if someone has a high A1C, the argument that they would use to get coverage for something is going to be different than in someone who has a lower A1C. So if you kind of have a one shoe fits all situation, throwing it out there online, you know, it almost does a disservice to people because they use that and they say, well, this didn't work for me. You know, your, your stuff kind of stinks. And, you know, you're going, well, it, it didn't stink for the five people that it was geared towards. But, you know, if you took it and didn't put in that work and, and make it to fit your own, then, yeah, it's not going to work for you. So I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how, how to make this more accessible in ways that only benefit people instead of harm them. Um, because it, it's so easy to do a, a copy and paste of a letter. But, you know, the research that goes into that is ever-changing. Um, the, the policy guidelines are ever-changing. So, um, you know, it, it does make it a difficult environment to just have a one-size-fits-all one thing. But, you know, as long as people understand there, there are resources out there, um, you know, JDRF and ADA and, you know, even, you know, Omnipod and Dexcom, if you look in their, their websites, they have sections where they have the relevant research that, is available to people if you just spent the time to look at it and, and take from it what you need. Um, so it, it's there, you know, Google search it, you know, how does, how does A1C um, get lowered by Dexcom? You know, just it, things will pop up. So I'm imagining that you, what you really need is because you, you're very close to being able to have a, a, a business and to help people at the same time in my mind. And again, this isn't why we had you on the podcast, but, <laughs> but if, if uh, I'm imagining that, because what happens is a human being comes to you and gives you all their criteria. This is my insurance company. This is my situation, blah, blah, blah. And with that information, you go into the vast amounts of information you have and pull out the parts that are pertinent to them. You need a computer programmer and the right questions. And someone fills in those answers and then is given that text 
And because you can always be updating it, that text in the background, with the text they get is always the most recent. That's it. You're this yeah. close to you're this close to an online business saving people from but, not getting but insult it, bumps. You know, when it when it comes to business and you know, my, my original standpoint is this is that this isn't something I want to be charging people for whatsoever, you know. And um, once you get into the whole nonprofit issue, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, do I take it to that level or do I not? It, it's a it's a whole nother legal realm. Um, I'm not sure I want to tackle. So right now I just kind of consider myself a volunteer advocate and leave it at that because I, I, I really I, I don't want to charge people. You know, this is something I believe in. And, um, you know, I have a, a passion for making it accessible to people and if a cost is a barrier to entry so to speak i don't want to it, then add you know, more put, cost yeah yeah i, I you know it, I, I don't typically do medicaid but i have and if, if i've got someone you know on a you know high deductible plan where you know they're fighting to even gain access to it and then they've got to pay you know potentially they're deductible for it or i've got someone on medicaid who just can't afford this out of pocket really needs their their state insurance to pick it up, you know, if they're looking at me saying, okay, well, I understand you'll help me, but you're going to charge me and I can't really afford that. You know, people, you know, aren't going to really want to start that conversation to begin with. Yeah, no. They'll just I, say, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to pay for it. I'll just try it myself. What I'm hearing is, is that, you know, very, not unlike myself and many, many other people, you've been touched by type one diabetes in your life. And this is the way you found to give back into the community. Exactly. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about that actually. So you're who, who in your family has type one? Now I heard your cousin did yes. years ago, um, right? but I have my, my first two cousins, they were brother and sister. Um, both of them ended up, um, with it. And like I said, one of them, unfortunately, um, you know, had a, had a low, um, that was back in 2000. Um, his sister is alive and well, but uh, my daughter, when she was 22 months old, was diagnosed. And, it, you know, it's one of those stories, so like other stories, where it was misdiagnosed. I was told it was an ear infection or actually a chocolate milk addiction at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the yeah. chocolate milk addiction diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, and a toddler. Huge. Man, she really likes that chocolate milk. You just got to cut her back on the chocolate milk, you know. I have to ask you a question. The doctor <laughs> that told you that, you don't see that doctor anymore, right? I, I actually still am at the practice, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's only, you know, we, uh, how long it, has it been since the diagnosis? Um, it's three years. Okay. Um, she's been diagnosed for over three years now. She's, she just turned five. And, um, you know, when, when she was placed on the Dexcom, uh, she was placed on it. I, I want to say in late April by that Memorial Day, like a month later, she had an episode where she had a low while she was sleeping. It was like 45 minutes after I put her down for a nap right after lunch. So she had insulin on board and um, the Dexcom is going off saying alert, 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 you know, double down. And I'm going, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. I kind of watched it like, man, this is just not slowing down. So I went up and I checked her. You know, it's always that terrifying experience of going up and waking your kid up who's supposed to be napping. Um, but I, I checked her and she was at a 44. Um, and when I think about, you know, my experience with what happened to my cousin and then this experience of she's got insulin on board, I wouldn't have been getting her up for a nap for another two hours. You know, what, what could have happened during that time? She's already at a 44 with insulin on board. So, um, you know, it, it terrifies me. And then it, it just makes me so angry to see insurances telling a three-year-old that they can't have a CGM because they're not eight yet. It's just, it, it doesn't make sense conceptually to me. I have to say that it, it always seems like when I record a podcast, something has happened, which I just, just means that diabetes stuff is constantly happening. But last, yesterday is an example. Arden got up, she went to school. After school, she had softball practice for school. She came home, she ate dinner, left the house, went right to a softball game that started at 8 o'clock, didn't end till 10. So I sound like a bad parent. She was up doing homework at like 11 o'clock. And, and then around quarter of, 11, quarter of 12, she's like, I'm done all my homework, I'm going to bed. And I said, okay. And she goes to get up and she says, I feel dizzy. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, what's your CGM say? And so she looked and it said 106. And I was like, okay. 
Um, I said, well, maybe it's not right. Go ahead and test. And she tested and it was, you know, like her blood sugar was like 104. And I said, okay, well, I don't want to do anything until something happens, you know, but go ahead and go to bed and I'll stay up and I'll keep an eye out. Right. And it turned out she just felt the fall before it it, it came actually. Mm -hmm. So she goes because she wasn't falling at, at one Oh, like one Oh six. She was one Oh six for a long time. Hadn't had insulin for two hours actually. And the, and the insulin she had two hours prior was only like a half a unit. And that was for a blood sugar that was one eighty. So there wasn't anything out of bounds. Nothing seemed crazy. She goes to bed. I'm going to tell you that, you know, 10 minutes later, she was 79 diagonal down. And by the time I could, you know, roll the kink out of my ankle and get out of bed and walk into her room, she was 49 straight down. Uh, and I tested her and her blood sugar was 48 on the, with a meter. And so, yeah. and, and so now, now that's only half of it. That's the dangerous side of it, right? Then she eats a banana and drinks some juice. And now I know that this is a really strange low that I didn't see. Like all my experience and everything didn't tell me this was coming. So I can't bolus for some of the what I've just given her yet because I'm not sure if it's just going to keep going down or not. But at the same time, a banana and a half a juice box at 49 is going to make her high at some point. And mm. so then the Dexcom is goodly enough to tell me 20 minutes later, hey, her blood sugar is now going back up the other direction. It gave me the confidence to go back in her room and give her insulin. You, you, you it, know what I mean? And therefore, my daughter wakes up this morning with a blood sugar of 96. Bingo. <laughs> right, right? And without that technology, you just can't make decisions like that. And and those are the things, you know, that it's so easy to, to know on a, a diabetic side how important these devices are. But, you know, insurance, it's just they look at that and say, you know, blood sugar, you can check it with a meter. The meter's 20 bucks at Walgreens. Sure, we'll pay for that, but we're not going to pay for this device that just fills in the blank, so to right. speak. But, you know, you're, you're really putting someone at risk if you don't have the device for someone who needs it, who, who truly needs it. And, you know. Yeah, because, um, because what I just explained, if you don't live here, even hearing it and not having context for it, just sounds like, oh, the kid exercised a lot. She got low. We gave, him, gave her insulin. And, but you know, here, here's the yeah, thing. Yeah, delayed, right. delayed hypos, you know, again, medical research shows that delayed hypos can happen up to 24 hours after exercise. So what is the alternative at that point? You know, is, is that going to mean that insurance is going to force me to have to check every single hour for 24 hours every single time there's a practice or a game? just to catch those lows in someone who's, you know, hypo unaware or, you know, has a high degree of um, variability. It's just that there's no, you have to put the common sense into, into the fight um, and make them understand that's impractical. You know, you're, you're telling people, you know, they must check at least four times. Yeah, that, that's not a problem. I can check my blood sugar four times. It's what happens between those four times that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the meters themselves are, I mean, if something becomes, you know, part of history, it's going to be the meter. The CGM at some point, I'm assuming, will will take over for a meter. Actually, I think Dexcom just announced that they're... They, they were, did. Yeah, they were yes. just on my podcast the other day saying they were getting ready to do it, but they've applied to the FDA to say, look, you sh can make big, big, Dosing. Oh, I just lost my audio. Sorry about that. Uh -huh. Can you hear me still? I can. All right, hold on. I couldn't hear myself for a second. Um, they just made. They just applied to the FDA, I think, to to you know get okay to make dosing decisions right from the glucose monitor. And so, I mean, you know, do you want four data points? Do you want eight data points, or do you want do you want it constantly all day long? It just doesn't. You know, it's obvious that the, the stuff exists. And even the argument, now that I've talked to you, like the way I got some of this stuff was, I remember once telling my insurance company, pay for this now for my daughter, keep her healthy for her whole life, or I'm going to have a heart attack in like 20 years and you're going to end up paying for that. You, mm -hmm. you, you know, because, because I don't sleep and I have insane stress that you may not understand. And, you know, I don't eat as well as I should because of I'm exhausted and blah, blah, blah. And I, I use, and like you're saying, like 24 hours after exercise if my blood sugar could fall what does my life become i walk around behind a toddler staring at it constantly going is this the moment it's going to happen or is it yep. now or is it now you, you, you know like that can't be my whole life 
and not for nothing. But, but I, you know, and I, I hate to tell you this, but insurances hear that and they, they're like, yeah. <laughs> you made that baby. <laughs> Keep it alive. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's kind of like they look at it as, you know, what's the chance that you're going to have our insurance in 20 years? Yeah, you'll have <laughs> is, that is, heart attack with part a completely it. different insurance company. We don't even care, buddy. Exactly. Yeah, you know, if, yeah. or who's to say you're, you know, you didn't lose a job and that's the reason why. You know, it's just uh, they, they're... They're not the the favorite people on my list. Yeah, you I'll know what? You, you know it seems to have ruined the idea of actuaries in general. And no offense to actuaries, but the idea being able to so closely say, "Well, that guy makes a great point that he'll probably have a heart attack 15 years from now," but our studies show he won't have our insurance then. So whatever, you, you mm -hmm. know, like like that having that like forward thinking but still specious knowledge is dangerous, and it because it turns everything into a mathematical formula instead of a what's the right thing to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and that really is where where it kind of sucks the most, honestly. Is that, I mean, you know, I, I'll sound like a, an eight year old for a minute. Who my mom just told me the world's a great place. You know, you you went to school, you paid attention, you got out of school, you got a job, you worked hard, you got a decent job. They gave you insurance, you pay for it every month, and so all you want is, if you need something, you'd like to have it, and well, and you know. That, that, that's just it, is that people, people pay into something like insurance or homeowner's insurance, you know, even, and, you know, they expect that if something happens that they're going to be made whole, so to speak. Um, and when it doesn't happen, it, it creates a lot of undue stress. But insurance companies just look at the numbers. This is going to cost us money if we go ahead and, and provide this updated research that shows that we can cover under eight and that's fine. You know, there, there's no incentive for them to, to do this. And they look at, you know, the, oh my, you know, I, I must have threatened United Healthcare, you know, over 50 times at this point mm -hmm. with, you know, illegal activity issues. And, you know, do they, do they change it? No, they look at it and they, they even look at that as, you know, a numbers game. You know, is this, is this person even going to do anything? And if it does, you know, we've got our stack of attorneys who can handle it. Um, so everything's a game with them. And you brought up early in the, in the, in the recording that, um, just very recently it became public that, uh, you know, Medtronic and United healthcare have come to some sort of an agreement that after July 1st for, for certain people, I, it's an age cutoff, I guess that Medtronic pumps are the only insulin pumps anybody will be able to get. And for some reason, Omnipod's not affected by it. I'm not a hundred percent sure that's that's the case though, oh, really? okay. because here here's the thing: not every United Healthcare actually covers Omnipod to begin with. No, oh, so um, some people so, have United Healthcare can't get an Omnipod to begin with. Yeah, there there's plenty that I fought with United Healthcare asking for Omnis. Um, that's actually some of the people that you know those seven that I've lost. Um, three of them were for Omnipods because there there is an extra cost associated. Um, long term with with Omnipod that you know, you know United and others don't want to cover so i would i would find it very and, surprising and if so i'm sorry if omni well here here's the thing yeah. right now they're saying this isn't effective because you know pharmacy picks up omnipod well guess what formularies change just as many times as you know these types of services with DME. So I, I don't have faith that they're going to find pharmacy benefits for Omnipod in the future after this deal goes through. And so this, this deal is just bad for everybody because what this really is, and I'm not an attorney and certainly I'm not making any legal claims against any companies, but as much as I understand the word colluding and what I believe it means, if you are a private company and you go to an insurer and say, look, if you agree to just give out our insulin pump to everybody, hey, wouldn't that be great for all of us? Because we'll cut your pro – I'm assuming what Medtronic is doing is giving them a break on the insulin pumps, but they can afford to do that because now they're going to sell them way more. Mm -hmm. and, and, right, and that's just me not understanding the world at all. Just my little sitting here thinking about it. But like that—that—that's how it seems to me. Is that Medtronic and and United Healthcare have decided that hey, if we just kind of get together on this little business agreement, then we can all make a little more money. And, yeah, you know, and they spin it. That's that's the worst part. Is you know, I, I read the release, and they 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 have spun it to make it seem like it's so pro for everybody. But if you look between the lines, they were very careful to say we're not. You know, we're not denying anyone an insulin pump. We're just, you know. Oops, Sam. Sam. We're going to have it be Medtronic. Can you hear me? You just dropped out. We're not denying anyone an insulin pump. Oh. 
we're not denying anyone an insulin pump, but we are, for everyone's health and safety, we're going to go ahead and say Medtronic is the best choice for our, our patients. And that's insane, and yeah. It, it, it is it's completely insane because they're, they're skirting the line of, you know, what's illegal versus not illegal as far as, you know, outright denial of a certain product. Um, but I'm not sure that, you know, I know everyone's in up in arms about it. And, you know, I'm certainly upset just because, um, you know, that this is what I do is appeals. I'm going, okay, well, there's definitely going to be a lot of need for appeals here in the future. But, um, you know, A, the contract's already been signed. It's it, it signed, sealed, delivered. You know, there's, there's going to be, unless there's some out clause um, for either party, you know, just because everyone's upset about it doesn't mean that they're going to do anything about this. Um, the second thing is, you know, this is in a, another format going on with our government with CMS. You know, Medicare has um, competitive bidding where they actually say, okay, who can give us the best deal? And we'll go with that one person. And that's the only person that they're allowed to go with. And you'll see that with, I think they're on one touch or something. Um, and that's the brand of strips and the brand of meter that you're allowed. So it was almost kind of coming for yeah, this to happen. You could say it. Well, because they set the groundwork. Like they do it with insulin all the time. They do it with a lot of medications. And I know somebody who works in the ins- it's not they're in the insurance industry in as much as they provide insurance to a large group of people. And so that they they have to have they have negotiations on on behalf of their employees with with their healthcare provider, the the insurance providers. And they people get into they get into pissing matches all the time. It happens mm-hmm. at hospitals. You know, you know when your your children's hospital says, "Hey, you're not going to get covered if you have this insurance anymore." You have to reach out and yell at them. What that really means is they're having a they're having a disagreement, and one of them saying, "We don't want to pay as much," and and that's usually the insurance company. And then the provider, in this case, it's the hospital or somebody making the insulin or the ins- the ins- you know the insulin pump company. They're saying, "Well, we can't sell it to you cheaper than this." And then they go, well, then we won't sell it at all anymore. And then that's the end of it. That, and, that is the heart of the matter. And yep. part of the reason that we're having such, you know, horrible conditions in healthcare today is, is this constant imbalance that occurs when you have large companies fighting the little guys, so to speak. It's kind of, you know, someone is always going to be the, the loser in this situation. And unfortunately, a lot of times it ends up being the patient. So, um well, Sam, how do you know. people get in touch with you? I mean, are you, do you want to give, I don't want you to get overwhelmed, but, but, <laughs> but, um, how do well, you- I, I will for, I, I will, you know, first of all, I, I, I am, I am planning on working on something for this Medtronic issue. I just want to put it out there. Um, some kind of available letter because it is so specific to a particular insurance and there's only, you know, a certain number of, um, pump manufacturers out there. Um, I'm going to be developing a letter that people can use as a template that they can add to or delete things as they see fit. Um, so those are for people 18 and up who are um, going to have issues with this Medtronic deal. Um, for the most part, though, for every other situation, I do kind of limit myself to pediatrics um, just because that's, that's where my time and energy is best spent for where my passion lies. Um, so... Not to say if someone who's an adult contacts me that I'm going to say, no, absolutely not. But for the most part, I, I do try to limit to pediatrics. Yeah, um, because it is, I mean, I am imagining how many man hours do you put into one appeal? Um, there is a between, you know, so I, I have kind of a template system. So anywhere from, you know, 30 minutes up to three hours per appeal. So, um, you know, there, there's definitely been weeks where I'll get slammed with a ton of requests and my husband's like, I haven't seen you, you know, you need to pay attention to your kids, you know, get from behind the computer. Um, but, you know, I, I do try to help everyone that I can. Um, and I've also got to be honest with some people, you know, everything that I see sometimes isn't actually a denial itself. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who just have issues being told incorrect information. Either maybe they have a pharmacy benefit um, that's available, so they're being told it's not a durable medical equipment, um, and they're thinking, oh, it's not covered. Well, it doesn't mean it's not covered. It's just maybe the wrong department you're looking at. You're wrong or it's person, a supplier yeah. being lazy saying, oh, it's not covered, but they dropped off the, you know, they don't even supply that product anymore. Um, or they're not even contracted. I've seen those situations, and it's just a matter of getting a different supplier um, that could have solved everything. Or once in a while, you'll get the people, um, well, they're making me pay $4,000 for this. 
And I, I look at it and I said, what is approved? That's just your deductible. That's that's not a denial of coverage. Right. That's just, just what your, your contract says. Yeah, yeah right, right. Um, and, and, you know, there there is ways to find better insurance for yourself. I always encourage everyone to analyze their plans at the start of every year to see, does that insurance plan even fit with what I need out of it? Um, my, my, my daughter has a completely different insurance than the rest of the family just because it is what's best for her. She has a, a lower deductible plan that has great, amazing benefits for, you know, DME products. But me as a healthy individual, I don't need those same level. I don't need to pay that premium for those benefits. So me and the rest of our family are on a different plan and people don't understand that that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a whole nother situation and argument, but it is available if people were to to look into it. All right, Sam. So so do you have a blog link or? I do. It's our well, I will spell this. It's arsenofamily.blogspot.com, and it's a r c e n e a u x family.blogspot.com. How about if um, I, I'll put a link in the show notes? Yeah, it, it's, it, a, right? it's a nice little last name. <laughs> you have an X in your last name. There's not a lot we can do. So, um, and and it, if you develop anything that is plug and play for people, I'd be thrilled to put it on my blog for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's coming. It's just a matter of crossing all of, you know, I got to make sure every um, T is crossed, I is dotted. And in disclaimers are put so that people don't misuse it and um, have more issues because you know you only do have a certain number of chances so you don't want to to throw it away on something that's not going to fit your situation the best yeah yeah it's absolutely fantastic I'll tell you what so um, if people want to um, I'm at Arden's Day on Twitter, and I sent out a tweet today, and I'm going to stick this podcast out today. Uh, and I will be tweeting uh, with the hashtag MyPumpMyChoice at um, United Healthcare and Medtronic. I've been doing it for a week, and I'm going to continue to do it. <laughs> I think that they deserve great shame, especially, listen, we appreciate that we were expecting the insurance companies to try to screw us over. But Medtronic, in my opinion, is taking they're taking advantage of the fact that they're one of the larger you know, if not the largest pump manufacturer. So they're taking advantage of this. And there are two people at the top of it. And this is not Sam saying this, but Omar Ishrak and Human Hakami. I don't exactly know if I'm saying your names right, but Omar I-S-H-R-A-K and Human H-O-O-M-A-N-H-A-K-A-M-I. Seriously, shame on you both. Like it really terrible just to take advantage of your situation to, to rip away people's insulin pumps that they're having healthy outcomes with so that you can make some more money. It's a huge scumbag move. So back to Sam. Sam had nothing to do with that. But <laughs> you know, both, though, yeah. it, it makes a great point because, you know, even though I don't think there's anything necessarily we can do at this point with what's already been done, it does send a message that this is going to be a negatively viewed event by um, the population's and, you know, at the end of the day, if they're shareholders and they're seeing, well, you know, look at what happened with the UHC and Medtronic deal. You know, everyone was up in arms. Maybe we shouldn't do that. You know, that that's still a, a great, you know, message to send to those people is, is don't try this again. You know, yeah. just because they're doing it doesn't mean that it's okay or ethical to do this as well. Right. Right. And, and and you just said that very eloquent. Let me say it again, like I'm from the Northeast. You guys are scumbags and it's not okay what you're doing. <laughs> and then there we go. That's again, not Sam saying that. That's me. And so, and to go backwards about a half an hour, Sam loves her husband. And yeah. we, don't want, we don't want that to get lost in anything. Sam, you're really fantastic, first of all, for doing this. And second of all, for doing what you do. Um, I hope that something you said helps people. I hope you do not get inundated and crushed. Uh, I know I do know what it's like to hear from across the room. I thought this podcast was a good idea until you uh, it took up so much of your time. So um, <laughs> it, you know, and I know it's tough to it's tough to find a balance between helping the community and and having your own life and not feeling an incredible amount of, because uh, you feel the empathy when people get to you right. and it, it saps you dry. It really does. And, and I, I have experience with that too. I know how hard it is to ignore people. Um, I do. Um, if they look at the blog though, you know, I, I don't want to say inundated, but there are some tips and tricks that I do have on my blog. If people are interested in, um, in kind of what my thoughts are on, on more specifics, 
Um, so they're welcome to, to take a look. And if they, they feel that, you know, they, they need advanced help, I have my contact information on there. And um, they're certainly welcome to reach out to me. I'm also on Facebook. If anybody wants to look up my name and send me a private message, that's fine as well. Uh, you're a really good person for doing that. So um, you have my complete, I, I don't even know what to say. Like it, <laughs> you have my respect. Like it is, it's a lot of work. It's a big undertaking. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to offer somebody advice that y you recognize that somewhere in your core, they could turn on you at some point too and be like, you caused me a problem. And you're like, well, I was just trying to help. Exactly. It, you know. Exactly. The good Samaritan issue, you know, that, that's why there's laws with good Samaritans is, you know, not that it applies in my situation, but. Well, Sam, that's why on the podcast, we like to say that nothing you hear on the juice box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. And let's add or legal. Or legal right? <laughs> And let's add that I used the word collude earlier, but I'm not a lawyer. I don't really know what that means. So although it really seems like I looked up the definition, it seems like that's what they're doing. But nevertheless, and I'm not an attorney, so I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just a guy rambling on a podcast. You should never listen to me. There's, and neither am I. Exactly. So let me just throw that out there. Exactly. You know what? <laughs> take, take, take advice from my wife. She looks at me. She looks right through me. She wonders why she's involved with me. And then she walks in the room and completely ignores me. And that's what you should do too. Unless, of course, you heard something in the podcast that you think is valuable and then go forward. Exactly. See how nice that is? It's ridiculous that we have to do that, but that is... You know, I, I have my own disclaimer, so there is definitely a need for it in the um, society that we live in. But hopefully people understand that we're coming from a good place and that we do sincerely want to see them succeed um, and, and get the services that best fit with their life. So um, hopefully they'll, they'll continue to be nice about it. And, well, I, and I do want to say this at the end, actually, is don't let this dissuade you from trying to begin with, because not, not everybody gets turned down. And, you know, no, it, it, I mean, yeah. if you're looking at a hundred and, you know, I've gotten all but seven, I mean, that is, for me, that's pretty good odds. In a, you know? and, that, and those are just appeals. There's thousands and thousands of people like me who say, hey, I want an insulin pump, and the prescription goes to the insurance company, and it comes right back, and that's it. You're like, you know, Absolutely. Like, don't, don't... It happens every day. We only hear about the bad cases. Right, so. right. And also, I think, too, because even at United Healthcare, there are some people who get their insulin pumps from United Healthcare with no trouble at all, and they have different levels of it. And that's where it becomes exclusionary, because if you don't pay as much, maybe you don't get as much. And, mm -hmm. and I know I've, I mean, we have good insurance and I know that I've had that same situation. I have, I have a company that was mentioned here today and, and we don't have the problems that some people have, you know, when they stop, um, covering like my daughter's insulin for people that didn't affect me. And that's just because I have a different level of their insurance. Yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes employers do have a lot more play than what people realize. And, and sometimes it's as easy as going to your HR department and asking them for an override or some kind of, you know, writer where the employer says, okay, well, we, we want this covered. You know, maybe let's, let's change this part of our policy. Yeah. And it's because the HR department requested of the insurance company, they basically say, okay, well, it's your policy. Let's make the change then. Yep. And in the end, it's your health and it's your kid's health. Just fight till the very end. Like that's my- Absolutely. I always say, do not give up. It is definitely worth the fight. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I hate to say, you know, it sounds like doom and gloom, but um, you know, there's definitely plenty of people who, who do get appeals, um, you know, approved that do not have my help, need my help. Um, it, it's not some secret society of people who, who have um, gained approval. So you don't know until you try, right. and what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. All right. Now listen, everybody thanks Sam, even though she can't hear you because she used up a whole hour of her kid's nap, her nap to do this, which I'm sure she was going to use for personal reflection. Sam, thank you very, very much, and I will send you links as soon as this is up, but I have to be honest with you, I'm going to turn it right back out because I want people to hear it, and it's very timely. Not a problem. All right. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Scott. Bye. Bye-bye. You know, usually here at the end, I ask you to go to iTunes and leave me a rating or a review, and I thank the sponsor, but all that's going aside today. If you're enjoying the podcast and you don't like the idea that one company or a company in an insurance company can make decisions for your health, take a moment to go to Facebook or Twitter or wherever you're on social media and let Medtronic Diabetes and United Healthcare know that you in no way support the idea of them telling you what insulin pump works for you. 
Hey, you know what? I've never had to say this before, and no one's asked me to say this, but I just want to say that none of my opinions on this podcast are driven by any of the ads that I take. I've never had something like this come up before where I had to talk about one manufacturer while I was doing an ad for another. Um, but this is my personal opinion. Medtronic Diabetes and United Healthcare have entered into an agreement. I'll put a link in the show notes, show notes where United is now going to be giving you, when you ask for an insulin pump, you're just going to get a Medtronic pump. And it's going to be insanely difficult for you to do anything else. Right now, the language is written, like, like Sam was talking about earlier, where it doesn't, it doesn't touch Omnipod, but it touches every other insulin pump. So right now, if you are a United Healthcare, you know, if you're a person being covered by United Healthcare Insurance, and you're using a T-Slim or an Animus Vibe or any other insulin pump, it is very possible that when you come up to get your new pump, when you get renewed, they're going to give you a Medtronic pump and there isn't going to be much you can do about it. Hopefully Sam will find a way to argue around it. Use the hashtag MyPumpMyChoice and, and send a tweet to Medtronic Diabetes. They're at MDT underscore diabetes and they're also, their CEO is at Medtronic CEO. This is all on Twitter. And there's another gentleman who's high up in the company who I don't think would like to hear his name called out on online either. And it should be. It's at H-O-O-M-A-N-H-A-K-A-M-I-M-D-T. You know what? You can find me. I'm at Arden's Day and at Juicebox Podcast. If you, if you don't know a lot about tweeting, just retweet one of mine or make your own. I've got a, a, a graphic that says, shame on you, United Healthcare, Medtronic, my pump, my choice. Really let your voice be heard. Go at them. Don't stop. Because no matter what insulin pump you're using right now, no matter what meter you're using, this sets a precedence. And this is not a precedence that any of us want set. Because one day it'll just be, you have this, okay, well, you get that. And we do not want decisions made for us like that. I certainly don't. I don't believe you do either. And the only way they're going to know what they've done won't be stood for is if we, if we speak up and continue to speak up. Just don't do it once. Go on every day. Tweet at them forever until they're so embarrassed that they have to rethink this. And if you guys are listening right now, seriously, you are scumbags. Seriously, I wish I could be stronger language than that. It's such a letdown to see a company who's saying they're trying to help people live with diabetes better. It is such a letdown to see what you've done here. I am so ashamed. It doesn't matter what insulin pump you use or if you even are in, on injections. The feeling that comes from knowing, I mean, it's hard enough to live with diabetes in your life. And then to see a company who's been touting forever, we're here to help, we're here to help, a community, 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 and then all of a sudden, this is what you do? I mean, honestly, you don't know how hard it is to live with diabetes already. You want to make it more difficult for people. And in the name of what? What's going to happen? You're going to make some more money? Well, you should be very proud. Shame on you. Seriously. Scumbags. I mean, okay, maybe I expect it from a health insurance company, but from you, from Medtronic Diabetes. Diabetes. The name, it's, the word's in the name. You know how hard it is to live with this. You're scumbags.